Company Watch Financial Analytics. Welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. We're recording today's episode on Friday, the 10th of July. This week, we've had some more government assistance announced in the form of Rishi Sunak's summer statement. That was on the 8th of July. Um, and the headline of that is that 30 billion of government support has been announced. Now, to put that into context, um, the coronavirus job retention scheme is forecast by the OBR, the Office for Budget Responsibility, to cost about 60 billion. So this is a significant intervention. The headline points of the statement are the £1,000 bonus for employers who employ previously furloughed staff from November to January, and this potentially accounts for £9 billion of the £30 billion. But I think the forecasts are, and the, 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 um, the commentary on that is that there are not going to be £9 million people who are going to still be in employment. So I think that's something that we need to, um, to be aware of. There's a kickstart scheme to create jobs for younger people. The VAT rate cut for business in the hospitality and tourism sector, so that goes from 20% to 5% until January. Um, a stamp duty holiday for properties costing up to £500,000, um, along with some vouchers to contribute to the cost of homes um, being made energy efficient. And then this five, 50% off dining out in August, what was it, the, the eat out to help out um, scheme that, that's coming into to place. And I think it's fair to say that the initial reaction has been mixed. The Institute for Fiscal Studies um, yesterday warned that that £1,000 job retention bonus is largely going to be paid to firms that would have retained staff anyway, um, and it won't necessarily prevent redundancies. And I think there's also a concern that the VAT cut and subsidy on meals has, has come a little bit too soon, that the indications are that public um, are not really going out as much as the government had hoped and that this will just help people who are going out anyway rather than encouraging more people to, to, to go and, and return to, to spending. So I'd like to get Nick's take on this and also um, if we've got time we were going to try and talk about a sector that we don't normally focus on um, particularly but I think we've really discovered um, over the course of the last few months how interconnected our economy is. Um, and so even though it might not be an obvious sector to look at from our clients' point of view, um, the arts and culture and entertainment sector has received some funding unexpectedly, I think. There was a £1.57 billion um, pound announcement at the beginning of the week. Um, so it'll be interesting just to see what impact we think that is, is likely to have. So Nick, where, where would you like to start? <laughs> I mean, there is a lot to talk about. Well, <clears throat> thanks, Joe. I mean, I think I'm <clears throat> very much on the side of the, um, of, of the critics of... Um, uh, Rishi Sunak's uh, measures um, in the sense that they're all very worthy. Uh, I'm fascinated by the um, continued uh, e extension of the size of the magic money forest. Um, that we found another tree with <laughs> wow. 30 billion quid in it, on, um, uh, on it. But, um, you know, I look at all the measures and I, it's very interesting that the HMRC um, head um, actually warned the Chancellor that um, he couldn't sign off on the uh, £1,000 yes, uh, job retention. And that, that isn't unheard of, but it's unusual. Is that right? It's extremely unusual. Um, you know, the, tre the Treasury keeps its... Uh, the, the HMRC um, keeps its powder dry about things like this most of the time. So I, 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 I look at all of this, and yes, it will help. Do I see it um, preserving... 
businesses that would otherwise have failed? Probably not. You know, do I think it will save jobs that would otherwise have been lost? Probably not. And 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 really, in a way, I retreat. You know, my views about that are informed by the continuing carnage in in retail and hospitality. You know, we had this awful day yesterday with Boots announcing four thousand job losses um, and lots of store closures. Uh, John Lewis. Um, almost unbelievably saying they're not going to reopen eight stores, including, of all places, the Showcase Birmingham store, um, this sort of gin palace of a... Of a, of a it's quite shocking, isn't it? I, was, I had to look twice when I, when I read the, that Birmingham was on the list. But, but it, what, I, what I find interesting about <clears throat> both of those, and, and that's why I think um, what the Chancellor's doing is, <clears throat> you know, he has to be seen to be doing something, but I think he's there's a slight touch of, of of Nero fiddling while Rome burns going on here. Because let's look at the boot situation first. Uh, this this one talks to something we've hinted at and, and in fact discussed in previous podcasts in this in this series. Um, all right, so four thousand jobs, um, forty-eight optician stores going, and, and and the trigger for this has been the collapse in beauty sales. Yeah, uh, it, because beauty sales have just fallen off a cliff um, for everybody, um, but particularly for Boots. But what is interesting, it comes back to something we talked about uh, about five or six of these podcasts back. It's not just the fact that jobs are going and what it says about trading. Um, Hidden away in the announcement was the fact that they had also had to book a $2 billion asset impairment charge, which blew That's a hole huge, in their pay. It? It's a That's lot huge. of money. Uh, Can you explain it, what those are? What 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 does that well, mean? Well, it's the sort of <clears throat> the classic thing of you know, you close a store and on your balance sheet, of course, is the value of the fixtures and fittings in there being depreciated over two, three, four years, whatever it is. Um, you know, they're worthless. Close the store. Were, it's not. It's not like you're going to move it to another store because you're so busy closing the things. Yeah. And you know, if if the uh, if there's a lease value um, in the in the balance sheet, or if you own the freehold of the site, um, then of course that that's clearly not worth worth what it was. So it's it, it's just recognizing the fact that retail assets and retail balance sheets, or the you know the asset side of the balance sheet, are not what they were. So and actually, for any of these closures, it's not a simple case of um, closing the store to make the, the the companies more profitable. There's actually going to be a huge impact on the balance sheet yes. side. So that is going to have, and that has to all be taken in the year, doesn't it, of the closure? Yes, it does. So there's likely to be a kind of carnage of, of balance sheet um, asset mm-hmm. value that we will see. Yeah, because we were talking uh, when we discussed this point, we were talking about what was going on in the uh, in the retail property sector and what was happening to landlords balance sheets you know and and into and these things but it's going to happen to the retailers as as well now if we move on to john lewis um it's very interesting that again hidden away in the announcement about the store closures and 1300 jobs under under threat was the comment that the stores they aren't reopening were all financially challenged beforehand so this is another prime example <clears throat> of the coronavirus prompting action that probably should have been taken earlier, but would have been very difficult for management. You know, to, to close a store that is trading, yes, 
is is, is particularly a, a flagship store like Birmingham. Oh, oh like Birmingham, mm-hmm. or in fact, my local store, Watford, is closing. Watford, you know, has now lost. You know, the, the centre of Watford is the Into Centre. Into's in administration. The the Debenhams flagship uh, store at the at one end of it is closed and abandoned, and now John Lewis is not reopening. Yeah, but anyway. The point about um, you know these stores is they weren't trading well beforehand, which talks mm. you know says a lot about the business model at John Lewis and yeah. the whole department store um, sector. But you know I come back to the point: all that's happening here is that the virus is turning every senior executive into a restructuring expert, because businesses are never going to be the same again mm. with a few. Exceptions, um, you know, the the winners, the uh, out of, out of this situation. But what's happening here is that lots of businesses are saying, you know, that little problem we had here. Now's the time to do something about mm. it, and actually be more radical, I guess. Actually, yes. for those people who have got the vision and the and the, the boldness to say, well, you know, these. And I think we've talked about this before that the the retail, um, the switch from from bricks and mortar to online, mm. which was due to kind of take place over. 2023, 2024, is all Brit being brought back in this very, very small window um, that 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 kind of change, that revolution is happening um, over a much shorter period. It's interesting that John Lewis had that 40% of online sales now being 70% of of sales. It's not clear the value of that, which obviously is is going to be interesting um, when we see some figures on that. But again, that that, that is quite a remarkable... It is. It it, it is, absolutely. But, you know, we're, we're in a situation now where... I don't think any chief executive is going to get fired for, <clears throat> radic- for, for admitting there were problems in the business and putting it right now. Yeah. The ones that will get fired will, will be the people that don't do that and, and sort of bumble along and get found out in another, in another six, nine, 12 months' time. But you know, there's a huge amount of radical restructuring and change going on in a in a in a number of sectors, uh, retail hospitality, of course, um, is there. So I think my message to our listeners is, you know, just be very careful. We said it before, and I'll keep saying it: be careful about judging your current risk on anything historic that you know about the company, the business yeah. you're dealing with, because. The world has changed. I mean, never mind the fact that you're going to be you're going to be another three months longer before you get any current information out of them because of the changes in the filing requirements, which we keep talking about. Oh, yeah, that so, makes me that kind of keeps me up at night. <laughs> so you you are flying blind. If mm. you're on if you're on the on the end of a risk, you're flying blind. Because and that's why we would say, really, please look at the, the COVID score. It's yes. available to everybody. If you're a subscriber, it's all there. It's for free. Um, please just look at those those um, those assumptions that we have we have made per sector and tweak them and look at, at maybe even rolling yeah. forward a bit more. You know, you can you can add some extra periods um, to see what yeah. the ongoing impact of this is. And I think, as Nick says, there's going to be a, a bit of a, a kind of burning of, of balance sheets, isn't there, in mm. coming um, in the coming months. That's right. You're, you're going to have a lot more of your water skiers, uh, Joe. The, com- the companies which, when the profitability recovers, will be fine, but where there will be very little support from the uh, the balance sheet, and we and yeah. we all know how dangerous those. Uh, Absolutely, it doesn't take very much then to to knock them into the water, no, does it? Puff of mm. puff of um, commercial um, ill wind, and they're gone. Um, uh, we, we we said we'd talk about <clears throat> arts and culture, and um, 
classic example here of, you know, people think about theatres and they think about museums and attractions. And, and what they tend to forget is that, you know, no sector, no business, particularly these, um, is an island. There's a ripple effect. When they are in trouble, um, you know, I don't know what the precise figures are, but, you know, a theatre trip to the centre of London, the ticket uh, for, the, for the show is the least of your, of your, of your costs. There's the travel, there's the eating, there might be a hotel stay. People will come up and, and do other stuff and spend money elsewhere. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a major thing. But following the Chancellor's announcement about this 1.57 billion, um, oh, sorry, it's Oliver Dowden, the Culture Secretary, um, I actually took a look um, on, on the company watch system at the sector, and it's, and it's quite interesting. 56,000 companies, roughly speaking, a bit under. Um, average H score before the virus, you know, remember, before the virus, only 43, so below par. 38% of the companies are in the warning area. And if you start looking at, at the, uh, if you look at, of course, where often these problems are heavily concentrated, the smaller companies, if you look at the companies with total assets of 50 grand or less, the average age score is 35 and half of them are in the warning area. So they have so, no resilience. So there's no, no, there's nothing really to fall back on. No. They really are kind of going from show to show or from production. Actually, Joe, I mean, just for once, gearing is not an issue because goodness knows who would lend to an arts business run by a bunch of lovies. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm a huge arts and culture fan, so nobody will forgive me for for using that term. But it's uh, uh, it. it it's true. That's the only up, upside here. So, you know, if ever there was an example of if you have a risk in this area, and it's quite interesting, if you look at the companies that are the bigger companies in, in the warning area, you find some very interesting companies. You find um, two of the major cinema chains, Cineworld and Everyman. Yeah. Um, you find Scottish Opera. Right. Interesting. And you mm. find, and the one that really caught my attention was um a company called Inge Ingenious Media, who are major funders of the arts in many shapes and form. And they're in the morning area. Already. And it's, an and it's an investment company. Mm. You know. Mm. But um, that's, uh, you know, that's before the virus. So again, you know, we've said it already today, you have got, if you have a risk in this area, you've got to look at it. Um, I think our assumptions, Joe, on the COVID score is a 50% drop in revenue. That's right. Over the this, year, I think we did this over looking at the, the 12 month over, period. Over a year. Um, yeah. and, and what you've got to remember here is that, first of all, the £1.57 billion will not trickle down evenly through the sector. You know, um, it's the government announced it um, and, and you could tell from the way it was announced what was going to happen here. They were talking about rescuing the crown jewels. And you, so, you think this is being? We think this is being distributed by the Arts Council. Is that at right? least some think? of it is being distributed through the mm. Arts Council, and of course, it means that if your risk is with a with an arts organisation that is not um, a recipient already of arts fund support, I would have thought its chances of getting any of this money are pretty slim. Mm. Um, so it won't ripple down evenly. I would be very worried, for example, about music venues, smaller music venues. Um, you know, I'm a, a member and a devotee of uh, Ronnie Scott's uh, Jazz Club. I hope some of the money finds its way there. I hope, it's, I hope it survives. Um, but the smaller venues all over London and all over the country, it's a disaster.
And to put that in context, we said that's two two months revenue, isn't it? One point five billion is roughly one point five billion is two months revenue in the sector. Yeah. So, and bear in mind, you know, the the clear um, understanding um, that goes with this one point five billion is that it's effectively a bung to um, apologise for the fact that they're going to keep theatres and music venues closed for a very long time probably till Christmas, maybe as long as March. In which, if it's March, two months revenue won't help because they'll have been shut for a year. Mm. I know they've had, you know, VAT deferrals, they've had no business rates, uh, they've had the furlough scheme, but... But these things are all going to start, we know, they're all starting to wind yes. wind down over the, over the coming months. Um, and if there's no clear way of actually being able to pick up again um, on revenue, yeah. and, and, and lots of these costs, you know, business rates obviously is, um, is, a, is a saving, but rent and other expenses are, are being deferred rather than being forgiven um, as such. Okay, that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's interesting. I think, again, probably we're, we're saying talk to, if you have got really significant risks here, talk to people. You know, I think there is a, there's always that sense of um, of these being relationships. And it's it's remarkable how willing, um, I think, both sides are to, to have a dialogue and try and come up with a solution that, you know, it's, it's extraordinary times. And, you know, I think there is that sense of pulling together and trying to to see how the, the path looks like for, for both parties. So, we would say that again, Nick. Where does the time go to? <laughs> I feel like we're um, we're forever beating the racing against the, the clock. Um, I just it's worth just quickly um, saying that I, I was looking for, so after the summer statement, I was looking at some of the um, OBR uh, publications, and because it wasn't a, a proper um, budget as such, the OBR didn't have to cost it. But they have. Um, I think most of our listeners will remember that on the fourteenth of April the OBR published a scenario that particularly wasn't a forecast. Um, and that was a pretty eye-blowing um, moment. I think the um, that, that very deep V that they said that they were using as a working assumption took quite a lot of people by surprise, in, in, not in the sense that we didn't see it coming, but I just think in the sense that it was a government-backed um, organisation that finally admitted that this was going to be pretty horrific. Um, and so they're on the 14th of July, the OBR um, are publishing, what have they called it? Um, a fiscal sustainability report, apparently, is coming out on the 14th of July, which is Tuesday. Um, and they have said that they are going to develop three scenarios. The one that updates the April reference scenario with a sharp rebound in activity and no economic scarring. So that is a, that kind of deep V. Um, one that sees the activity in the economy recover more slowly and incorporate some scarring. And then one where recovery is slower still and scarring is deeper. So I think that's more, more the kind of U shape or that whoosh um, shape if we're going back to those um, those those models. So I think we're, that's something that we will pick up on next week and look into more in more detail because it will be really interesting to see I'm quite surprised because before they they just did one and now there are three and you kind of wonder whether there may be some some pressure to to offer those three different um, ideas and nobody's going to you know they could all be discussed together um, and, and people can pick the ones that they they think fit most fits their um, their narrative. So we'll we'll pick up on that next week. Thank you, Nick, for your commentary and analysis. Thank you to everybody for listening. Until next time, goodbye.